We're at Matthew chapter 22, but I wanted to bring you uh, something that I felt like the Lord gave me on something in chapter 21. And it's, uh, okay, so in chapter 21, we have the triumphal entry. They come from Perea on the Transjordan, uh, on the east side of the Jordan River, and they come through Jericho and up the mountains, going south and up over and into Jerusalem. That thou, several thousand feet rise. Uh, that's a uphill. It's about like if you were leaving from Ardmore, if Ardmore were below sea level, um, if you're leaving from Ardmore and going up from Jericho, you're leaving from Ardmore and coming this way on 35, and how you go up those mountains up into the Arbuckles, that climb, 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 it's that way for about 13 miles heading up to Jerusalem. And so they've just done that journey, and at the end of that journey, there's the triumphal entry, all the people calling him Hosanna to the son of David. Uh, Jesus cleanses the temple, and they... Uh, they try to he get they try to get him to calm these people down, and he says, "Don't you know, out of the babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise from Psalm chapter eight, and then the fig tree withers. Uh, it says in uh, verse eighteen, now in the morning his return to the city, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and he said to it, "Let no fruit grow on you ever again, and immediately the fig tree withered. One of the um, gospels, I think it's Mark, says that the the next day they found the tree withered, and whether it happened um, as they were looking at it or whether it happened the very next day it was it was unnatural for the the fig tree to have withered so fast. But what do we know about all plants? I mean, was it really crazy miraculous for the fig tree to have withered that way? It, it was crazy for it to have withered as quickly as it does, but all plants eventually wither, right? So when it says that they were amazed about it, I thought, I mean, why were they that amazed? And this is what the Lord told me. So, because, uh, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? And Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, because after all, we can all make a, we can all make a plant wither. <laughs> Just don't water it. I mean, those, um, peace lilies that are out in the hallway going down out that out that west door yeah sometimes i forget to water them for a few days and i can well miraculously i can make those plants wither that is something natural that happens and so he says you will not only do what was done to the fig tree but also, if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. And we talked about last time, Matthew 17 is where he has the, the mustard seed uh, parable. And he says, you can say to the mountain, mountain, be moved. And the difference is that we can pray for natural things to happen. We can pray for somebody who has a cold to get better, but 
That does happen naturally. Our body will fight things. But sometimes we need to be able to put our faith to work in a way that, that violates the laws of nature, which is what Jesus is talking about. Have you, has anybody, everybody's seen a plant wither. Everybody's seen somebody get well, whether they believed or not. But how many of you have ever seen a mountain get up and walk somewhere else? I've not ever seen that. That's true. Preach on. Preach on, Yvonne. That's right. And I think that's, metaphorically, I think that's appropriate, is that we do have mountains in our life. And, and Jesus is essentially saying that. But he's also encouraging us. He's telling disciples, y'all are thinking small. When you're thinking about a plant withering, think think bigger. The root of the tree, didn't he? The root of it. Sometimes when we pray for people, we need to speak to the root. Okay. That it's that it dry up. Right. Well, when we pray against what we've sown, yes. and the, we pray for the violation of the law of sowing and reaping, sometimes that's what we need to pray. We need to pray that there's crop failure, and that, yeah, that that the root of a thing die. I agree. If that's. There wouldn't be any evidence, evidence of it left. That it ever was. That's right. That's right. Good. Good preaching, Yvonne. Come on now. Okay, let's go to uh, chapter 22. And Jeff has fixed that all up, so I only have to push one button. Thank you, sir. Okay, chapter 22, verse 1. It says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them. Hold on. Who's them? We have to go back to the last chapter. He's in chapter 21. He's been in the temple off and on. He went and the fig tree withered on the way from Bethany to back to Jerusalem. Bethany's next door. Um, kind of like Warwick and um, well, Warwick and Wellston, right next door to each other. Uh, I mean, you know, how long would it take you to walk from Warwick to Wellston? In Jesus' name, no, Melba. Um, you can walk there in fifteen minutes, maybe fifteen twenty minutes, something like that. If you're a good, if you're a good walker, have you done it before? Okay. I walked on the railroad tracks from my house to Wellston. Okay. Okay. Thirty minutes. Well, it was something like that. So. And Jesus has gone back, and that's where they questioned, by what authority do you do these things? So he's been talking to the Pharisees in in the temple. So when it says, and Jesus entered and spoke to them, it's talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees and all those leaders that are in the temple. Uh, He spoke to them again by parable and said, and what what was the last parable he talked about? The last parable was the parable of the wicked vine dressers. The one where the, he built a fancy vineyard and he sent people to, to, to talk, stewards to talk to the vine dressers and said, okay, it's time to harvest the grapes. Give us the grapes. And they beat up and ended up killing some of them. And so that's the parable that Jesus told just before this. So it says, and Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, the kingdom of heaven is like 
A lot of stories start with that. The kingdom of heaven is like. And remember why in Matthew, it doesn't ever, it only says the kingdom of God one single time. All the rest of the times it says the kingdom of heaven. And that's because he was talking to Jews and they didn't use God's name. Uh, they didn't say God because that was against Jewish law or the rules. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. So, again he sent out. That's important right there. Again he sent out. God is always long-suffering, and he's always diligent to give chance after chance after chance. And, And remember why Jesus is telling this. He's telling this to teach these Pharisees something. If they have ears to hear, he's got a good appeal for them. So again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited this. See, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted calf are killed and all the things are ready. Come to the wedding. So it wasn't like we have weddings here where you just get a little bit of cake. They had big feasts that lasted several days. And so getting to go to a wedding like that was a blessing to go to the wedding Um, because you would get gifts and not getting fed and all that kind of stuff. Um, Tell those who are invited, I prepared my ox and the fatted calf. This is just like in the prodigal son, he kills the fatted calf. But who didn't come to that? Who didn't come to that deal? The the older son that had been there all the time. I'm just wondering if that rings a bell with anybody. Uh, I prepared my dinner, so come on to the wedding. Verse five. But they made light of it and went their ways. One to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest. The rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Who is Jesus talking about? And they killed them. The, exactly. The, you have your, do you have your study Bible with you? <laughs> that, that's, that's who it's talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. It talks about all them being killed and still they, they uh, carried on with their message. But Jesus said, and he, they killed some of the servants even and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. When you find religious people and you talk to them, this is what I found out as a pastor, is that people who are think they've got it all together spiritually often cannot hear. So when Jesus says, let him who has an ear, let him hear. Um, I believe religious people who have all the answers, that they're, they're hard to teach, they're not teachable still, and they don't hear. They look in the mirror and cannot see themselves for who they really are. And the Pharise- I believe the Pharisees, when they're listening to this, they can't hear. And he sent out his armies, destroyed these murderers, and burned up their city. Now, this is a prophetic word that he's given right there because in 30-something more, 35, 36 more years, that's going to happen. In 70 AD, the, when, when 
Jerusalem was burned before. And remember, Nehemiah comes back and they made fun of him because they stacked the stones up and they said, even if, if a fox came along, he knocked that down because the rocks were burned up and they wouldn't fit together anymore. And Jerusalem, that's what happened. The ro- even the rocks turned to dust because of being burned. And so that's what's going to happen. Burned up their city, verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Who's he talking to? Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways. Um, The word highway there, the, um, the Greek word for that highway is, um, where did I write? The Exodus. And so it's like Exodus going out of. And so it's the, the highway is the road that runs out of the city. And what it really means is go out in the countryside, go out past the edge of the highways where, it, where the paved road turns into dirt roads. Go look for people out there. And Remember we talked a couple or three weeks ago about the kind of people, oh, that, may have, that may have been a sermon, the kind of people that uh, the, the leaders of the temple were, the, the Pharisees and all that, they were, they were proud, of, they lived in nice houses, they had fancy clothes they wore. And so people who lived out in the country, people like John's, um, John the Baptist's parents, they were country, they were country folks. He was a country preacher. And so <coughs> Jesus is saying, go find those guys, those that live out in the country, because all the city folk weren't interested in coming to the wedding. Um, go out in the highways, as many as you can find, invite to the wedding. Uh, went out to the highways and gathered all them that they could found, both bad and good. Uh-oh. There's a recipe for problems, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. What kind of people, if they're if you're going out into the highways and byways and hedges and all, dragging people in, what kind of people are you going to find there? Exactly. Good people, bad people, some religious people that have been doing their thing out in the country, but you're going to find some that, well, we talked, Jesus talked in the last story about that prostitutes and um, harlots and sinners and tax collectors, all a different kind. And that's what we're talking about right here. It's filled with guests, people of all kinds, maybe dressed all kinds of ways. And think about the times when we've been to church and there's, there's a certain kind of dress expected. And if you didn't dress that way, and if you didn't drive a certain kind of car, if you drove a rickety old car up, uh, up to, you might not be accepted. And so that's the picture. Verse 11, but when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless, the, the man who wasn't dressed properly. He was speechless, and not just that he's like, oh, he doesn't have any excuse. This is important, because you could get the wrong idea here, that, Je- that Jesus is talking about being a snob. Is this guy a snob? When he said, just invite anybody, just bring in everybody. 
He's not a snob. They were provided with wedding clothes. They were given clothes to wear to the wedding, and they're all dressed up. But this guy decided, like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. He's not going to do, he's not going to, you know, I'm just not into all that. I want to do this, I'm going to do my own thing. And the, and the guy who, the king says, why couldn't you just wear a wedding garment? Why couldn't you do, why couldn't you act right? Churches and he didn't, doing that too. what? Churches are doing that too, just filling their churches up with people, you know, come as you are, but they're not saying come as you are and be transformed. Uh-oh. He didn't want to be changed. Yeah. Right. All right. Didn't want to submit. And the king said to the servants, bind him man and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. Take him away, just by the way, isn't in all the manuscripts. So if it, it may have said, bind him hand and foot, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That, that's what they, Jesus, Jesus all, has talked about weeping and gnashing of teeth several times in the, in the Gospels and, and refers to hell a lot of times. And then we have the verse for today, for many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are, who's, how many are called? Because this is talking about that general call that God, God loves everyone. And is it is that feeding back? Okay. But it says many are called. It doesn't say everyone is called. Although we have Romans 1 that says everybody's called at least, you know. All, Generally. All of creation is calling out there isn't God. That's right. But I think those are many are called. I don't think everybody may not hear about Jesus. Because nobody comes to Jesus unless they first look for a Savior. But okay. he said, all, all creation calls out, there is a God, seek Him. If you seek God, you will find the Savior. There's a difference between being invited and being summonsed. Okay. You go to a court, you, you're, if you're called for jury duty, you're, you're summoned. summoned. And you've got to have an excuse not to go. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says what? For by faith we are saved through faith, and that's not even of ourselves. There is something that the Holy Spirit does in drawing us that doesn't go out to everybody, uh, that specific thing. Um, so the uh, Jesus' atonement is unlimited. Everybody could be saved. Right. Uh, so many are called. Uh, many are, well, the wedding feast. Uh, all these people were invited, but not very many and chosen. It's hard to tell with that word, whether it means whether they choose to come or whether they're chosen to be there. I think it's both. You know, Jesus took with all those disciples, 82 disciples up a mountain, and he went up higher to pray and came down to choose 12. Before, but before he chose 12, he said, you know, he said, drink my blood and eat my flesh. Well, 70 got up. Well, right. the 12 chose. Right. <laughs> you know? you're, you're the chosen ones. <laughs> yeah, so I think the same thing. The Strong's on the word for chosen. Yeah. Also says, by implication, favorite, chosen, elect. Elect, that's right. And that we're, they're, Paul and often called elect, them the elect. Yes. Yeah. 
So in, uh, in this same book, in Matthew chapter 7, thir- verse 13 and 14, is where it says, why does, why does the road, or why does the gate? But the, so there's a wide way and there's a narrow way. And that, and the wide way leads to hell, which he's just talked about. That guy chose the wide way, chose the easy way, not, not the, the hard way. Many are called, few are chosen. Um, God doesn't overbook like airlines. <laughs> right. So, well, they should go well, back to the garment too. Yeah, because we have the garment of you know God gives us a garment, but that man didn't have that garment. A righteousness. That's salvation. Then the robe of righteousness. That's good preaching, Jimmy. Good preaching. Okay. So that parable that Jesus tells right there in the beginning of Matthew chapter 22 is only in this gospel. The rest of chapter 22 is in Mark and Luke also. Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 20. For the rest of, all of the rest of this chapter is in there. So Jesus puts these guys in their place, told a story, and they probably didn't like it. So in verse 15, it says, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. So they're trying to catch him up in his speech. It sounds like um, reporters nowadays, right? The media. Um, Tried to figure out a way they could entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples. So underline the Pharisees. This This little section right here is on the Pharisees. The Pharisees plotted, and they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, the re- with the Herodians is important right there, because that's the guys that were favorable, had a favorable relationship with Herod-supporting Jews, that were going, you know, this Roman thing, and, and, and this government, and the peace that we have from the government, it's working out all right, and we... We don't have any problem with that. The Pharisees were way against that. They didn't want the Romans there. Um, so that the fact that the Pharisees and the Herodians, basically enemies, are getting together and, and trying to work together shows how desperate they are. But they say to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you don't regard the person of men. All that's true. You, you don't care what people really think. And so it, it, you're freed up to say all good stuff. They're giving him what's called a compliment sandwich. Have y'all ever heard of a compliment sandwich? It's, it's where you say something really nice and then you go, but dude, you are messing up so bad this way. And then that you say something nice again. You, you've got a compliment and then a crit, something critical to say and then a compliment again. So it's a sandwich with that criticism in the middle. So they're trying to catch him up. And so they're, you know, you're really good. You're really smart. Say some smart things because you don't care. So tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, what did they, th- what did they think? The Herodians probably thought, yeah, taxes aren't so bad. They pay for the peace. But what did Pharisees think? They were 
They were they were greedy and they didn't want to, they didn't want to part with any of their money. That's why they had worked out rules where they could violate the 10 commandments and not take care of their parents and things like that. That's why Jesus called them a brood of vipers. So they're not interested in paying taxes. It's not a benign question that they're asking. They're trying to catch them up. They say, so should you pay taxes or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Jesus never was critical to sinners or tax collectors or any of those people. He, would, he only had harsh words for these ugh, terrible religious people. He said, show me the tax money. Now, um, in Jerry Maguire, you've got that scene where he says, show me the money. Jesus doesn't say, show me the money, because they did have money. All the Jews had money. Uh, they, had, they traded in money. But what was different about their money from the tax money? The tax money had to be paid with coin of the realm. But the coins that the Jews used were not coin of the realm. How are they different? There was a rule. Sarge? The Jews' money was very different. And what about the Roman money was always different from their money? Well, I don't think I have a coin. But if we have a coin, all of our coins have one thing in common. All of our money has something in common. What is it? No, it has a face on it. Jewish money did not have a face. Why didn't I have a face? You shall have no, don't make a graven image. And so, and it's talking about an, the image of God, but that also kept him from putting birds on there or anything like that. So, or anything like that. The coin of the realm, the tax money, had a head on it, and we'll see that. So he doesn't say, give me some money. He says, give me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and a denarius is a day's wage, which is a fair, fair amount of money. And he said to them, whose image inscription in this? They said to him, Caesar's. It was, um, it was Tiberius, Caesar's uh, head was on there. important. So he says to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And how do you know it's Caesar's? Because it has his head right on it, right there. He says, so render to him the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. What things are God's? The thing that has his image stamped on it. That's us. The image of God is stamped on us. We carry his image with us. So when, uh, that's what he's talking about. Render to, to God yourselves. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. That's pretty miraculous right there. When, when they marveled, <laughs> what can we do with this guy? He, he has an answer for every question. 
he is the truth. And they can't catch him up because what comes out of him is truth and it cannot be disputed. So so when they heard it, they marveled and left. The same day, the Sadducees, the same day, the Sadducees, another group comes to talk to him. What do we know about the Sadducees? That's why they're so sad, you see. Uh, so, so the first it was the Pharisees, and now it's the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, it's right there, uh, came to him and asked him, saying, okay, when they, when they talk about the resurrection, they're talking about something different from what we talk about with resurrection. Because, and it comes out right here. Uh, says, they ask him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother should marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. That's in the, um, is that Numbers or Deuteronomy? I think it's Numbers. There, there's rules in there that says that he should, that that should happen. And the reason was because the land they wanted to make sure that the land had heirs and that it would stay in the family and be carried on that way. It, it was a protection of property for the brother to marry. And uh, when, when Tamar, the son died, and he, refused, he gave him the next son, and then, the, and then he refused to give him the third son, that was this law right here. And it was... It was a law. Book of Ruth too. My redeemer, my kinsman redeemer. Right. Comes along and, yeah, redeems. That's right. Uh, so he said, having no offspring, marries his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, so then they had this hypothetical. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. So the, all these guys are dying. I wonder about this woman, for one thing. But anyway, I mean, this is like a movie of the week or something. But one after another, all these guys are dying. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her as a wife. They're talking about in heaven when, when, they're, when they're in heaven, who's going to have this? And Jesus, because Jesus refers to that here in a second. So it's not the second coming resurrection. This is like when our life continues on. This is in heaven. So Jesus answered and said to them, you're mistaken not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Uh-oh. That was fighting words because they thought that they knew the scripture more than anybody else. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and uh, all those. Okay. I mean, they prided themselves on keeping the minute parts of the law. He says, you mistaken, you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. Who, um, For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Are people in heaven angels? 
No, they're not. That's, that, that's an important distinction. He said they're like angels, and, um, but they're not angels, but are like angels of God. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So God says that, um, that he, I am the God. What does am mean? It's the present tense. I am, not I was. I am, and this is after they're passed on, so they're not dead anymore. And that was enough that it killed the argument. They went, whoa, that is right. Scripture says that, and it's a fine detail, but God is not the God of the dead. Who is the God of the dead? Anubis. They were familiar with with Egyptian theology. They, you know, they had fought against it for for hundreds of years. But all a bunch of these other religions had the Vikings have the god of the dead. Um, the um, the Greeks had a god called Hades that was a god of the dead the God of the underworld. So um, Jesus is making a subtle reference. So what are you? Like, so are you believing in a God of the dead or not? Well, no, obviously they didn't. So they stopped. And when the multitudes heard this, so wherever they are now, they were in the temple and now they're somewhere else. And the Sadducees have come to him and they made a mistake because they They said it in front of a bunch of other people that could hear. So not only is Jesus impugning their theology, he's also making them look bad in front of other people, that they're supposed to be a leader of them. Uh, When the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together again then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question. A lawyer. I'm not going to make. I'm not going to tell any lawyer jokes or anything, <clears throat> unless you twist my arm. The lawyer says, asking him a question, said, "Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law?" The lawyers um, were scribes. They're the ones that wrote the law down. They know. They know word for word all of the stuff. And so he thinks he's got a trick up his sleeve. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In the Mark's version, Jesus adds, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Um, so Mark adds strength in there. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, it has heart, soul, and mind. Um, and the second is love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What was this lawyer's job? 
to know all the law. That was his job. He got paid for it. His living was in knowing all the stuff. And Jesus has just boiled it all down to two, two commandments. Love God, love others. The Amplified says sums up all the laws to the hands of the Right. That, so did, did that do away with the other laws? No, all of that stuff pivoted on those two things. That all the laws, I mean, if you're doing like an, an outline or something, the love God part, all, there's laws. We, well, in fact, from the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, the first four are about our relationship with God. So the four commandments under that, love God, that, that's there. And then the rest of the Ten Commandments, the, the second six in the Decalogue, are about our relationship to each other. And so love your neighbor as yourself. Now, nowadays, there's a, there's a lot of preaching that goes on around that verse that says you need to love yourself more. Everybody, there's no problem with the people loving themselves that I've found. In, in several decades of, of being a counselor and teaching and all that stuff, I found no, no shortage of people loving themselves. Uh, this is not saying that. Love, since you love yourself, you know how to do that. Just love other people at least that much. Love people that way. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you to have as you want to be done yourself. But Jesus simplifies this whole thing into those two statements. How much wind would that take out of your sails if your whole life revolved around all these laws? Not only the Ten Commandments, but around all the laws that were associated with those Ten Commandments and all the rules that they made so that you could be sure and not mess anything up. Right. That was the laws of scripture. Then they also had the oral law, which yeah. was thousands more. Right, <laughs> the laws that were that they passed to each other, and that was some of the ones like walking through a field that you couldn't see. They got down to the minute little things that they had never thought of, and that's what the that's what the scribe asked him when he says, "Wait a minute, we got seven guys, and they all married the same woman, and then they all died." They. They did that for fun. The way we play Uno or something like that, they sat around and posed these questions to each other just for fun, to figure things out. So, And every time they did, they made another rule. So Jesus said, that, let's just make it all simple. Love, love, love God, love others. So 41, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them saying, oh, he answers questions with a question, saying, what do you think about the Christ whose son is he? Now, they all know that these, these people that have been following around, and they're apparently in the middle of a multitude of people, they, they know that those people think that Jesus is the Christ. So Jesus says, so what about the Christ, the Messiah, whose son is he? And they said to him, well, the son of David. Why did they say that? Because scripture is full of son of David, son of David, son of David. The promise um, that was made that to, to David that one of your descendants will sit on the throne forever. 
They said, so he said, well, the son of David. Everybody knows that. All Jew, Jewish people know that. David, David was promised that. They said to him, son of David, according to all the scripture. So he said to them, how then, oh, he said to them, how then does David in the spirit, in, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, in a psalm, in, um, what psalm is that from? Uh, okay. How does David in the spirit call him Lord saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, what's wrong with David calling him Lord? There's, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. It, well, it'd be like if I called one of my sons father or Lord. They could, your offspring call you Lord. You don't ever call them Lord. So he says, so how does that work? If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? Well, he is an offspring a long way off there. And that was the promise is that one day when they talked, when they called somebody a son, they didn't always mean the first generation child. They mean a grandson or a great grandson or a great, 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 28 generations. Right. Pam says a descendant. That's what it what it means. But nowhere do those, would uh, somebody generations away call them Lord. But that's what happens here in the scripture. So he says, how does he call him his son? And no one was able to answer him a word because not only is he the son, he's the son of God, not just a son of David, because David is calling him Lord because he's more than just his offspring. And when we sing, we never know how much it costs to, to stand in for my sin on that cross. We, we don't because Jesus is preexistent, God, God that becomes flesh. And just that in itself was a really big step down. To go from being everything. all that you created everything, that you, all of the attributes that God has, that he's, that he's uh, omnipresent, omniscient, knows all things. Jesus steps away from that in order to become a normal Man, human being, just without sin. Um, but he does. And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> They probably wanted to question him, but they knew he wasn't going to get the answer to him, so he quit. 
They knew that they were not going to win. They knew they could not win. What ultimately did they have to know? This guy's the real deal. They said it back there when they said... um, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone for you do not regard the person of men. You don't care what people think. They, I think that they were just saying that as a lead up. They were trying. Well, I don't know if they were mocking or if they were just schmoozing him. They were just trying to. Jesus, you know, we know you're cool. Yeah. You're so cool. But they spoke prophetically the absolute truth. You are, well, the, we know that everything you say is true. It sound like our kids want their way. What in the what? I said, sound like our kids like, want their way and come and, you know, yeah. smooth you over real good. <laughs> yeah. Butter you up, I guess you said. <laughs> That's good. Buttering them up. And they tried that. But they also spoke the truth when they did it. And ultimately, they, I think that they had to recognize it. But the problem was they would lose their power. They'd lose their control. They'd, they'd have to do something new. And change is hard. And they talked all the time about wanting a Messiah, wanting a deliverer to come. But when the deliverer's right there, they don't want deliverance anymore. They want control. They want power still. We've got to fight that all the time in our own spiritual lives that we don't get into that place. Being a pastor is hard because a lot of people want to try to give you control. I've had to fight for people to say, I don't care what color car you buy. (laughs) Because people have asked, should I get this car? I mean, because, well, because in the past, they've had pastors that have told them what car to get. And whether or not to have a TV and things like that. So, yeah. Oh yeah. That's about that. So from that day on, nobody questioned him anymore. We're getting set up for the end of everything. This is the end of his ministry, and. Uh, And if anybody had ears, there was stuff to hear. But a lot of these these religious types didn't have ears. We need to be careful that we never get that be that way. Where our ears aren't open to receive something new that God can teach us. God's taught me things in my Christian life from the time I was 15 years old, which is a few years back, half a decade almost. Half, I mean, I'm sorry, half a century. Sorry, I don't have all my. Half a century. And the Lord has been teaching me. I mean, I was a Christian 50 years ago. But the things I knew then, I'm not still stuck in those. I'm not still making Ishmael's. I'm not still, I'm not still. Hell bent on sacrificing Isaac anymore. I'm God's. I've moved on to new things that God has taught me. It didn't do away with the, God's added 
not done away with, but added things all along. And praise God. I mean, in my 20s, I was learning new things. In my 30s, God was taking me, showing me new things. To where even today, with the fig tree thing, God said, the, the difference is that was a natural thing that could happen naturally. Now, but you're going to do supernatural things that violate every law of nature. And the law of nature says that if you have cancer, you're in trouble. But I've, I've seen people that we pray for go back, and I've told the story a few times, the doctors being so mad at this guy for getting healed because he wrecked their experiment that, they, that he was supposed to be a part of, experimental treatment. And he was they mad. That's supernatural. That's mountains being moved into the sea. And we should always be ready to learn, to go to a next level on things. Always. Have you, have you learned all there is to know, Yvonne or Jimmy? No. You're still believing. As long as you're in the Word, I think you should learn something. That's true. I don't care how minuscule minusculely it is, but it can be big when you learn. That's right. But it's not ever going to violate Scripture. If if somebody tells you something that violates Scripture, that ain't right. You've always got to measure it back to Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only seed. Okay. That, That was a revelation. Wow. And the whole world is seed time and harvest. Mm-hmm. We find that in Genesis 1, 2. Yeah. That was good when Dale taught that yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was That's, he said, I hated to do that, go through all of those verses. He said, I said, well, what else were you going to do? Because you had to show that it went all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, that that's always been God's plan. I think we're going to plant them seeds and see what happens. There you go. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your revelation of yourself to us and that we don't ever invent a God that is made in our image that that we seek you as you reveal yourself to us. Be with us as we carry your word and 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 preach it out with our lives every day, everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all.